Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hi, folks. Just a little warning. This episode mentions suicide. There's a lot of healing and humor as we talk about this, but we really want you to use your discretion. Edit audio. So the phone rang, and I ran to my parents' bedroom to pick it up, because, you know, it could be for me. It could be. I grabbed the receiver, and I sat on the side of the bed, you know, because the phone stayed in one place back then, you know, which in this case was on my parents' nightstand, you know, like a 1950s TV show. And it was for me. It was one of my semi-new female friends. And I, I have to say that because I was in this new stage of trying to fit in like I was supposed to with the girls. You can imagine how well that worked. But anyway, before this, all of my friends were boys. You know, we laughed, we played football, we punched each other. There was very little drama unless some asshat was being a poor sport over losing a game of kickball or something. So I was taken aback when this girl, I know, let's call her Jill, she skips all the pleasantries and she launches right into her reason for calling. She's like, I'm calling to tell you that we've decided... Now, I'm already like, "Uh uh-oh, a collective we. This cannot be good. We have decided that we're not your friend anymore. Now, after this, I don't remember all the details, except I do recall a pit in my stomach, some tears, and then asking a bunch of questions about what I could do to win everybody back. I mean, I was 12, so it didn't occur to me to be all, well, fuck you then. Instead, I sat there and I wondered, what did I do? Why, in one phone call, did I just lose all of my friends? Hello, folks. I'm Robin Hopkins, and this is Well Adjusting, where I talk to people about life stuff, but, you know, not in an NPR way, more like a we're at the bar, we're having cocktails, and I am getting into your business sort of way. Oh, we love a cocktail. Oh, and producer Steph is here, too. Oh, yeah. Hi, that's me. Today we chat, well, what happens when your best friend dumps you? Ah, friendships. I mean, they are complicated, am I right? Our guest today is Becca, and she has been dealing over the last year with a major friend group breakup. And I have to say, what I think is so interesting about this conversation is that we talk, you know, in general, as a culture, as a society, so much about romantic relationships and breakups. But I really feel like we don't spend a lot of time talking about the heartbreak or the healing that needs to happen when your bestie dumps you. So I'm about to say it. Strap in. We're about to go for a ride. Come on, let's get to Becca. Here we go. 
what happens when you deal with a friend breakup or like a friend divorce and how do you deal with not talking to a person that you talk to every single day and that you've been talking to every single day for years and then in the long term like how do you build new relationships and like trust yourself and your sense of other people's character and new people that might change or you know make different situations better or worse and how do you start trusting yourself again in your own sense of judgment it's such an interesting question and topic because i feel like we we talk about loss from a sense of like romantic partnerships and we talk about loss in terms of death but friendships are i mean like they're the foundation of our day to day right I was single for a real, real, real long time before I met my my lady friend, Mary. But, you know, my friends were always, you know, they got me through every breakup. They got through deaths of, of my parents. And so friends are such a big and important part of our lives. I, I think this is a really fantastic topic to be talking about. So I'm so glad that you reached out to us. But I want to first ask you to really, like, tell us about the friendship and and what happened to lead to a friend breakup? Yeah. um, My friend group was myself and three other young women who were all in our late teens, early 20s when we met. Um, We just clicked almost immediately. We were, you know, all big fans of the same band and that's how we originally met we met at a concert um and what band kind of what band you have to share uh, it? i hope um, it's embarrassing no it's not bad um it's bleachers the oh, um, yeah, yeah. like jack Antonoff yeah band um we knew each other online like in the fan community on twitter and then we met on the tour for the second album and really just became extremely close like we had group chats we talked every single day we all lived in different states. Like at the time I was living in Michigan and one of them lived in New Jersey and another one lived in Indiana and another one lived in Ohio. So we were all kind of scattered, but we really had a community around this band. And when they would tour, we would get together and travel for a week, like going to all of the shows. And it really became a really important friendship and one of the most important friendships in my life at that time. And We were really excited to get back on tour, especially through the pandemic. Having them was really essential. You know, that was a friendship that existed primarily digitally. You know, we FaceTimed a lot. We called a lot. We texted a lot. So that was something that stayed consistent when in 2020, it felt like the whole world was sort of falling apart. It was really, really a lifeline. And I don't know what, especially that back half of 2020 would have looked like for me without having them. They were integral to my life. And then in August of 2021, we were getting ready for Bleacher's new tour. um, And a new person came into our lives. Who's also a fan of the band, like a digital friend. Yeah, who's also a digital friend. um, And she came into our lives, well, into my life specifically. And it really changed the dynamic of our friendship really dramatically very quickly. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Um, well, she and I, in classic gay fashion, uh, mm-hmm. became a little mm-hmm. bit more than friends a little quickly. Mm-hmm. And she was very intense and very um, 
now, you know, looking back on it, I can see it as like love bombing and a little bit manipulative. But at the time, you know, having someone who's super, super into you when you've been single for a while. Come on, that feels um, nice. Come on. No, I like that. Felt really, really nice. And I was very into it <laughs> and really excited. And the first people I was telling about it were my friends that, you know, also knew her from online. This was right when I had moved to New York. It felt like everything was coming up aces. New love, new tour, new city. It felt like all of the trials and tribulations of 2020, like I was reaping the rewards of patience and pain. Yeah. And it didn't take long for me to realize like it wasn't anything like negative about her at the time, but I just realized, you know, I think we're better as friends and like the spark kind of didn't lead to a fire, you know? And I was yeah. very honest about that with her and with my friends. And at that point, they had all been introduced to each other and all knew each other. Um, and she had like joined our group chats and had really kind of been embedded in our space. And she took really well to it, you know, I thought. Mm hmm. We went from a foursome to a fivesome pretty seamlessly. I'm already getting some single white female vibes. Anyone who hasn't <laughs> seen that movie, go see it. Yeah. Um, it very quickly became uh, the difference between, oh, this is Becca's, you know, plus one to our friend group for the time being to her being her own independent member of our friend group. And I didn't realize that me not being aware of what her relationships were with my friends outside of me meant that there were going to be or could be changes to our relationships. And that's kind yeah. of what ended up happening. She, over the span of that tour from, you know, September to November, essentially, started hanging out with them all individually and, oh, you can't afford to, you know, come to this show. I'll pay for your ticket. Or, to, the, to the other friends? To the other friends. Mm -hmm. Or um, we need a hotel, I'll pay for it. Or mm -hmm. you need someone to go with to justify going to this show, I'll go with you. And by going to this show, I mean traveling halfway across the country to go to, you know, Alabama from New York. In hindsight, it looks a little bit like the way you were saying love bombing in the relationship, like she's friendship bombing too, like yeah. trying to win everybody over real fast. Yeah. And that's really what happened. But that's with hindsight. Yeah. With hindsight. And at the time it was like, oh, she's so cool and she's so fun. She's generous. a couple years generous. She's a couple years older than us. It's also sometimes a red flag, by the way. Yeah. In hindsight, yeah. There's a lot of in hindsight. And you, you see, <laughs> but I, you know, was so happy and so relishing and like, oh, everything's going great. You know, we're all together now. We're on tour again, which we didn't think might ever happen in 2020. Yeah. And by the end of it, I realized that like there was a, a very clear shift. End of September, everything was good. We were all together. Middle of October, we are in California and her behavior to me is really different. She's starting to like you know, make disparaging comments about me and undermining me and really making me out to be this kind of caricature of like a, a lovable, stupid oaf and not like in a funny way, like in a Becca's an idiot and doesn't can't do anything kind of way. Like, oh, there goes Becca again doing doing a dumb thing like that. Yeah, kinda, yeah. exactly. And it really was starting to turn from laughing with me to laughing at me from her Ooh. 
I try to be a very upfront person and very not confrontational, but I'm not afraid of confrontation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I try to address things really directly. And so I pulled her aside and I was like, I don't like how you're talking about me. It like doesn't make me feel good. It's not nice. And and she at the time said, you know, I didn't realize that you were taking it that way. I intended it, you know, laughing with you, not laughing at you. Ribbing, By the way, which, good on you for like being that direct. I think a lot of people have difficulty doing that. Yeah, I feel like directness is really either a blessing or a curse, depending on how you see it. Um, yeah. And we'll kind of see how it happens as a curse a little bit later in the uh, saga. <laughs> <laughs> if you will. Um, if you will, exactly. But that happens. And then we get to the end of the tour, like back in the Midwest around Halloween and the exact same thing starts up again with her being really disparaging and really like kind of like playground insults like we're six years old or something but at this point it's not just her it's everybody in our friend group like joining in like oh yeah lol Becca is stupid and and Becca's an idiot and Becca's like an oaf and all all of that kind of commentary and it was like really surprising and really yeah like I was really really taken off guard and it really really started to hurt me to the point where I spent the entirety of the back half of that trip in tears I was like sequestering myself to like sob on a street corner because I felt so awful and they knew that I was crying and didn't do anything about it I was just like sobbing to the point where we went out to lunch and the bartender came around the side of the bar to give me a hug because I was like openly sobbing. And I was like, this stranger is showing me more empathy and more concern for my care and for my like mental well-being than people that I've known for years. Yeah. Are you putting together that this all started when she came into the group? Are you putting that together at this point? Yeah. At this point, I'm like, this can't be in like a coincidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took a while for me to really understand the extent of it and like learn about things that were happening after the fact because she and I ended up having a big conversation a little bit later. But after that point, it was really just like they started to just really ice me out and ignore me and isolate me like they didn't really want to be around me or talk to me in any way shape or form and I started wondering like have I changed at this point like I'm very right so um as my therapist would say I'm very self-critical and I was like have I changed am I you know acting differently am I behaving differently like am I the problem basically and this is really where it started with me questioning my own reality and my own um, perspective. Like, I, I didn't know if I could trust myself. So I asked. God, this is almost know, like abusive behavior. You know, like when, when you're in a relationship and someone isolates people or, you know, makes you look at yourself and think, did I do this? Is You know, it's like that that lack of confidence is the first thing yeah. uh, that starts to happen when the person undermines you. Yeah. And there was like real um, 
You know, you know how you can tell that people are like talking about you behind your back. Yes. Um, I had that, but like, dig- like I could see it digitally. Like we weren't using the same group chat nearly as much as we were, but everybody was still on their phones. So uh, I knew that they had a group chat. There was a sidebar that didn't include in you. It. Yeah. Shit. And so things like that started happening and it got to the point where I sent them and this was like looking back on it, I was still really emotional and like probably could have done it a little bit more strategically. Um, but that's just me feeling the need to over communicate all the time. But I sent them a big text in our group chat without her in it that had mm-hmm. like not really been used as much because we had one with her in it. And I was just like, the way you guys have been treating me to my friends, I was like, the way you guys have been treating me, I really not liked it. And like, I don't know if you guys like have just decided that you hate me now or like whatever has changed. But if you're feeling that way, like just say so. Don't do this like isolation tactic thing because I'm really sick of it. Yeah. Like, let's be grownups. If you don't want to be my friend, don't slow fade me. Just, right. just, just have the balls to say I, I we don't want to be friends. And right. P.S. Maybe let me know why. Yeah, exactly. And then I have a conversation with our former fifth wheel, who has now become the fourth wheel and booted me out of the the, the carriage, so to speak. And she's like, "Do you know like how manipulative you've been to me this entire time?" And I was like, "Whoa, what? Whoa, what? Exactly." Um, and she was like, you have been stringing me on this entire time, acting like you want to be with me sometimes and other times insisting that we're friends. You've been gaslighting me and I've been crying about it to our friends and like really struggling with it. And I'm like, you've been struggling with it for three months and never brought it up to me one time. Yeah. We were formally, you know, whatever for like two weeks. I'm not kidding. Two weeks. And then maybe a week after that, we had a little bit of a transition time, which I, you know, will happily own up to and be like, look, when you make out with someone at every given moment and then you decide not to make out with them anymore, you got to like. Sometimes you need one more. Sometimes we we get it. Sometimes you you lean in and then remember yourself. Yeah. You know? Listen, it happens. Right. And we had a frank conversation about that after that one week of buffer time. And it didn't happen again. Buffer time. I love that. You know? And that was three months ago. Yeah. And then there were like a couple of weeks where she was still pretending to be my friend. And for some reason I was like letting her well because you don't know the full scope of things and yeah i mean you strike me as someone who wants to believe the best in people yeah i realized a couple of weeks after that like i realized oh 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 you know you have like that sinking feeling where you just kind of have to accept like this person who i thought was my friend has actually been working against me the whole time to replace me. And that was really devastating. So do you think she was talking to people about you? I mean, in that other group chat or wherever else? Like, So you think she's actively, or you know she's actively trying to... Oh, I know she actively was. 
now I know, you know, with months of hindsight or separation, you know, hearing from mutual friends, from hearing from people who were in the room when I wasn't, you know, both in person and virtually. She was like insidiously trying to make you the bad guy. Saying like a lot of things about me manipulating her and emotionally jerking her around. Tell me how it came to a head or did it? Is there like an explosion or did you silently step away? Like what happens at this point? Um, I, (laughs) it's funny. You were talking earlier about how we deal with grief and how we deal with loss in other relationships and other situations. I traditionally have a habit of when it's time to let go of someone pretending like they're dead. Oh, not like in a in a negative way necessarily, just but just like, like I'm just closing like it's that a fact door of life. Yeah, I'm closing that door. I'm not letting you in. I'm not going to let you hurt me. Exactly. And so I changed her contact name to DNR. <laughs> do not resuscitate. I wanted to like have that as a reminder, like if she were to text me again or if she were to do anything, it'd be like, oh, DNR. Yeah. I unfollowed her on all social media platforms and everything just to kind of like cleanse myself. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey, friends. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think you are going to like. Okay, Bill Burke is the host of the weekly podcast, Blue Sky, where he interviews individuals tackling the world's most significant challenges with hope and optimism. Sounds right up your alley, right? Exactly what we thought. All right, it's brought to you by the Optimism Institute, which was also founded by Bill, to sprinkle a bit of positivity on your view of the future, especially with the media often showing us just the gloomier side of things. On Blue Sky, you're going to hear optimism about topics on everything from climate change and AI to homelessness and immigration and more, and they're offering diverse perspectives. You're going to finish each episode feeling brighter about the world and optimistic about our collective future. The name Blue Sky, well, it's inspired by a meditation prompt symbolizing the idea that beyond the clouds... There's always blue sky, encouraging a broader perspective. The Blue Sky Podcast is available for listening on all major podcast platforms, inviting everyone to look beyond the clouds and embrace a more hopeful view of the future. I'll tell you what, I'll be listening. So you're trying to get away from her. What are you doing with the other friends? Are you are you saying to them, "Hey, you knew me first and like why are you not with me?" or or are you shutting everyone off and out? 
they shut me off. So they all unfollowed me from Shit. our internet, everything. And like, I could tell, like you can tell when a, a new group chat is made and you're not in it because the current group chats that you use don't get used anymore. Right. When people were putting things into that group chat, it was very clear they were doing it on accident. Oh. They would accidentally hit that one instead of the one they made. Like, yeah, like, and they're coming in the middle of a conversation, so you know it was something else. Got it. Yeah. Like a digital friendship detective. Yeah. It's really a blessing and a curse. Really is. I uh, can evaluate online relationships. But, um, yeah, it was really 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 challenging and I had just started a new job and I was utterly heartbroken yeah because you didn't just lose one person you lost a whole group of people like they all just didn't side with you this was my first time really having a friend group break up what did it do to you and where did it leave you because you started to touch on this idea that you started to doubt yourself yeah, absolutely. I <laughs> I have reopened my Instagram story archive to see exactly what my headspace was because I was posting like 10 times a day on my Instagram story, which I don't normally do. But I was like trying to pinpoint the reason of like what I did at yeah. some level because it had to be something that I did. Okay, well, I um, have become less anxious because I've been on... Lexapro for a couple of years now and my anxiety shout has out to the control. anxiety meds shout, shout out. out to Lexapro I'm so sorry I ever doubted you <laughs> um but that's what happened is I I basically said I can no longer trust myself without my anxiety constantly putting me on guard for social situations so I stopped my Lexapro cold turkey oh to, shit and that's you're not supposed to do that you are I, not supposed I'm to not do a that. doctor but I do know that much yeah please and don't ever do that Becca no. or anyone else. <laughs> yeah, no one do it. It's really bad. You get super horrible brain zaps uh, and get super nauseous at best and probably horrible, horrible things at worst. Much, much worse things, um, yes. But I was like, I clearly cannot be trusted to make relationships without my anxiety monster like climbing on my back. And Me- Do you mean by that? Do stomach. you mean like you needed your anxiety to be more of a watchdog? Like you felt like on Lexapro you were too open? Is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah, like I was Jesus. too open. I was I was clearly too open. I was clearly too trusting of other people. I was too off my guard, like not being aware of what other people, because my anxiety really takes form in like being hyper vigilant of what other people are thinking about me at any given time. And clearly without that hyper vigilance, I let in bad people. I wasn't cognizant enough of how other people were viewing me. And so I needed the anxiety monster back. So I stopped taking my Lexapro for like three or four days. And my friends all texted me that are also on SSRIs and were like, this, like going cold turkey could give you a heart attack. Uh, Mm -hmm. So stop not taking it. And I was like, okay, if I have a heart attack, I have a heart attack. Woo. Um, and yeah, it was like every time that I tried to do something positive, like I watched a movie with one of my best friends and she was like, you're coming over, we're watching a movie, we're going to do something better. And I, I literally was like, watch the blues brothers with my friend almost felt better. And then remembered the thing I love most in the world is gone forever. Because at this point I was like, well, not only are my friends gone, 
my concert community is gone. My bleachers, sure, sure. like, community was gone. And when I... And that was a lifeline for you during a really dark period of, of a global pandemic. So I don't yeah. think... I think that and the combination of of cold turkey without doctor's help taking yourself off a, a med is a really bad combination. It was- it was a it was ill ill advised. I'm not encouraging yeah. anybody. I'm actually discouraging people. Don't do this. It's not good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just like was dealing with simultaneously losing these people that I talk to every day and like losing this community at large. Because like, there's no way I can go back to shows and see them there all being so happy and like having the best time ever and like not only having a great time, but having a great time because I'm not there. That to right. me was devastating. Right. The next day I started taking my meds again and Thank like you. posted a Thank photo you. for proof to my friends. You're and... not putting this out for everyone. You're putting this out just for your friends. Oh no, right? this Digitally? was like close friend this okay. was like close friends community. This is probably like twenty people. Can you tell the mom and me was like, you're not posting this to everyone, right? Oh right? No, no, just, no. Okay. Okay. But I also think you were aware that you needed people and support because you don't yeah. you don't put those things out there unless you're looking for someone to go stop it. I'm yeah. here, you know. Exactly. So I think I'm I'm like glad that it existed for you in that way and that you knew enough to gate it to people who would comment and maybe try to help you. Yeah, it was like I I was really just like going on these really long like long tirades oh, of geez. just like how every group dynamic that I've ever been a part of would have definitely been better if I wasn't there and like uh. all of that stuff. And I, <laughs> I was also pretty funny. I said, uh, just got my flu shot, asked the nurse to just inject air. She said, no frowny face. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dark and funny, but it, what do they say? Comedy is uh, tragedy plus time. So there's yeah. been there's been some time. I would not yeah. be laughing if this was yesterday. Just FYI, no. BT dubs. Yeah, I I mean I'm laughing now too because I'm like, yeah, she was she was not doing well. <laughs> um, she had a great haircut, but she was not doing well. <laughs> Wait, I want to know like what is the situation now? Like, yes. where's the anxiety monster now? What's your vibe now? I'm on ADHD meds now, which is great for the anxiety as well, because it's helping me minimize my actual, you know, needs of anxiety, helps me actually get things done. Mm -hmm. Back on my Lexapro. But really the thing is, like, I spent a lot of time mourning. And it was the first time in my life that I really had mourned. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of death in my life. I'm not a stranger to death, but I find that death is really easy to deal with because there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Um, which is part of the reason that I like to pretend people are dead. But dealing with mourning this was something really, really new for me. And at this exact moment, again, like, what is it? Like, close a door, open a window? Like, yeah. yep. that is what happened to me when I met these people. And right at this exact same time, I met people who are now really good friends of mine because I started a trivia team. We've been going strong for like eight months now, nine months now. So it's been a lot of healing, but like in that process of like meeting those people that are now my really good friends, it was a lot of stress and a lot of 
internal and external doubt. I was like, I don't know how to talk to these people. Like, what if I say something wrong and then they don't want to be They think I'm a bully anymore. or they think I'm an oaf or yeah, all like, the- They think all of these horrible things about me. What if we become friends and then six months from now, one of them just decides to be mean for no reason? Um, and like, I was still kind of new to the city and still like trying to meet people and make friends and have connections and everything. And it was really, really challenging and really. Well, you had to trust yourself again. Which I couldn't do. I fundamentally couldn't do. And I, I found a therapist like in January that really, really helped me deal with all of this and like cry about it and figure out how to trust, like figuring out how to trust yourself when you realize that trusting yourself and like trusting other people got you into the problem that you were in before Mm -hmm. was like chicken and egg for me. Well, if I trust them and then something bad happens, then it's my fault and like things will be worse and maybe I should just never make another friend ever again, but I can't do that because I'm the type of person who needs community and needs people. I mean, like, I'm on a trivia team that is, you know, pretty strong, not to brag. Um, but I'm also like in a softball league and I'm also yeah, you are. on a chess team. And like, I, I need group activities to function as yeah. a person. Um, and so it just wasn't, while extreme, it wasn't a viable option for me to just never talk to another person again intimately. But I, I feel like you're touching on something that's really important that I just wanted to highlight, which is that that chicken and egg thing. Like you have to get yourself back out there. You have to, you can't be alone in this world. I mean, you can, but I don't know what kind of life does that bring you? But just like anything else, when you make a mistake, you have to just be like, okay, let me look back at it. Let me look for red flags that I can look for next time. Like, what can I take and bring forward? And then I have to start to slowly open myself back up because you you can't quit just because it went bad one time. I mean, you can, but I don't advise that. It's still a healing process. Like, I don't know how long it takes to heal from things like this because this is my first time really yeah. dealing with friendship apocalypses. And I I know now that she has fucked them over yeah. uh, in a couple of different ways in the months since then. Well, I'll tell you what. The mom in me is going to say this. When all those people come crawling back, you know what kind of people they are, the type of people that didn't support you, that weren't there for you. And you say, no, thank you. Like it's that, you know, those are not good friends. And those are people that you don't, you're better than that, Becca. You don't need those people. Yeah. When I heard like everything that happened between them, I was like, oh, she like really hurt one of them. And I was like, even if I was trying to hurt this girl, like that is something that I would never do. Yeah. And it was really like, I was almost proud of myself if it sounds, it sounds a little stupid, but like that I still had that empathy for her. No, that doesn't sound stupid. I mean, I feel like sometimes there's a, like a little nice feeling inside and then there's the human being that's like, I, I knew it. I told you, but then yeah. you move past that and you're a, a human with empathy and a kindness. And then you say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you. That's really how I felt. I was like, I can't believe this happened. And like, as your friend, like you should never do something like that. It was like, I don't know what their relationship is with her now, but I know it's not good. Yeah. Do you feel like you've had closure from this or how do you think you will be able to get that for yourself? 
Thank you for asking that, producer Steph. That's a very good question. (laughs) I think that closure for me is impossible because it's, it's, it, it still exists. It can't, like, as much as I like to pretend that people are dead, they aren't actually dead, right? So I think that closure is really, really difficult, especially because this is still a band that I love. And, like, every time I go to these shows, I'm reminded of, you know, these people that I cared so much about that, you know, really hurt me. Mm-hmm. And that is difficult to deal with. And I see death as, like, the ultimate closure because you can't, like, we haven't figured out how to talk to the other side unless you are really good with a Ouija board, which I am not. Um, I got a lady for you who can talk to the other side, but we'll, that's, <laughs> a, that's another show. We'll talk about it off mic. <laughs> but I think that, like, closure, it's it's really accepting and processing and accepting the fact that there is no closure, like no real closure the way that like I might want it, but there's definitely a closing of the door. It's not Mm -hmm. like cemented over, you know, or whatever, because you can't really do that, but it might be like a glass door or something. Especially with social media, it is a glass door because they're going to show up in your world and your ecosystem somewhere. Yeah, and that's that's the part that I'm still managing and like trying to figure out, resisting the urge to like scroll. It helps that I'm blocked by a couple of people, um, so I can't look even if I want to. But there were points where I was like, I want to be as awful to them as they were to me, and I want to try and ruin their lives. But like, that doesn't make it better no, for me. It doesn't. And so that train of thought really went away really quickly, and I just realized that focusing on making it so that I look at that door as little as possible and am enticed to open it as little as possible is really the only way to keep going. Yeah, it is. It's it's something that like me and my therapist are working through. So Well, I'm glad you have that person there for you on the journey because it does sound like it got dark at some points. And I'm I'm glad that you came to share this with us. I I do want to say, because you said closure is impossible, and I don't think that's true. I think it's just a different kind of closure. Like your your closure is going to be when you no longer feel a responsibility for how other people perceive your actions or who you are. Now, that's why Steph is a producer on this podcast, because she just came in here and summed that shit up so nicely. (laughs) Well done, Steph. That's so true. I think like, for me, closure is like, when I think of ultimate closure, I think of when my metric is when someone dies. Um, but but that's not real closure. That's just that's them just being death. dead. You yeah. have to deal with them being dead after that. So you're even though they're dead, they're that's maybe not closure. I, maybe maybe you know? the way maybe the way that I deal with death is unhealthy too. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully you have a person to help you work through that. And that's yes. I mean that Shout is ultimately out. like one of the most important things is that everyone has when you needed a person that you can go to. I don't care if you have yeah. to pay them to support you. Like yeah. that, that's helpful. Full stop. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming and sharing the story. This was just such a wonderful chat. Yeah. About a hard topic. Yeah, but. I always feel weird saying this is a wonderful chat when we talk about hard things, but it was a wonderful chat because it's, in my opinion, it's good to talk about hard things. I agree. Pretending they don't exist doesn't help. Very, very, very true. Just like pretending people are dead. Does not help. <laughs> you know. Agenda item for next week's therapy. Literally making a note right now. Agenda <laughs> item for next week's therapy. And by the way. And by the way. And by the way. And by the way. And by the way.
Let's talk about first impressions. In relationships, friendships, love, or work, people tell you who they are right from the start. So it's important that you listen. If you are seeing red flags or you have that, you know, nagging voice inside you, you know, moments where you say to yourself, hmm, that was weird, pay attention. It doesn't mean you have to leave the person or end the relationship, but just make sure that you're putting some boundaries in place or you're on the lookout for hurtful behavior. Because I'm going to say it, you deserve to be treated well in all of your relationships. Gosh darn it. All right, it's that time where we're going to get a little advice from our expert of the day. Joining us today is Patricia. She's a psychologist in New York, and she may or may not have helped me a lot. Let's hear what she has to say. I think friendships can go as deeply as romantic relationships. So it's not a question of one being more important or one being more powerful than the other. Any any kind of relationship that lands deeply within can cause enormous pain when it, when there's a sort of a breakup or a rupture. It's a very, very tough place, and you have to scramble to find people who, who may not be your friends yet, but with whom there is some kind of a bias toward trust. You can always find more anonymous groups of like-minded people who are open to sharing and listening. Everybody's here to do the same thing, which is talk about their pain. So that's what I'm going to do here. You know, trust is a funny thing. It's a funny concept. The one question is that I would ask is, what is it you're seeing now about this person that you didn't see then? Well, they missed, they, they're, they're late for everything. Okay, well, that's an important something or other. I don't know if it's a red flag, but it's a behavior that you might want to think about. Or they lied to me, but only once. You know, well, wait a minute. You know, nobody lies only once. So, you know, self-knowledge will allow a kind of a, an ability to judge or assess objectively the person you're thinking about. And if you learn as you go along that this, well, so far this person is trustworthy, then you can go just a little bit further. But you don't start out expecting to trust. You start out seeing how it goes one step at a time. We always need to know what our takeaway is. What did I learn from this situation? Yeah, so I learned that these people were, you know, assholes, or, or I learned that you can't trust anybody. But wait a minute. What did you learn about yourself? What did you bring to the table? Because we co-create everything that we participate in. And we're not victims. And it's important to see, okay, someone may have hurt me. Someone may have even attacked me. Someone may have been a total freak with me. But we always come back to take a look. What was my participation? Did I miss some signals? Or more likely... Did I alienate someone by, I don't know what, you know, just think about what I brought to the table. That's some good stuff from Patricia. And I have to tell you, Patricia also said, I would like you to realize that you create your own lives. No one else has the right answer for you. And no one else has that responsibility. You have both the responsibility and the privilege or the right to make your own choices and to learn your own lessons in this lifetime. I mean, are those words to live by or what? 
All right, folks, that's a wrap on this little episode. But before we go, I do want to say many, many, many thanks to Becca for sharing her friendship journey with us. And of course, thank you to our expert of the day, Patricia. For more Robin, and you may need that. You probably don't need it, but like if you do, you can follow me at Real Rob Hops on all the platforms, all the socials, as the kids today say. Well Adjusting is an edit audio original, exec produced by Steph Colburn and Robin Hopkins. Thank you to Maria Passingham, Kathleen Speckert, and the whole edit audio team. Oh, hey, before you take out those AirPods, this show is just for entertainment. If you are in need of help, please, please, please reach out to a professional. Go ahead and get that help. You deserve it.